Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Got a great show for you this week. An old friend of ours is joining us, uh, my buddy Neil Fallon. He's in the band Clutch. Uh, and they have a new record out called Book of Bad Decisions. They're going to be on tour in the States all through October with Seven Dust. Uh, and I'm also happy that we're broadcasting live downtown here uh, in Deep Ellum. Joining us this week is an old friend of mine as well, my friend Scott Beggs. He's the proprietor of a great uh, place down here that we're broadcasting from called Three Links. He's one of the Three Links. Scott, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be on. Well, man, you know, I've been wanting to have you on for a while. Uh, you and I have been friends for a very, very long time. And, you know, what was funny is that you and I have been friends for so long that I don't know where at one point that I didn't know that you were a big clutch guy. Right. <laughs> uh, when, when when did you first discover the band? What was your... What was your I got turned on to clutch... Um, Early on, um, I was managing the very first band I ever managed was a band in East Texas. Met a guy working at the Walmart Lube Center um, while I was going to Tyron Lube Center while I was going to college, and uh, they were in a band that you know I ended up kind of liking and uh, felt like I could help them out. And it was right as I was starting to move into the music business, but they covered Shogun Lee Marcus in the set, and. Okay. Um, so they were playing, you know, they played Transnational for me many, many times, and I just fell in love with the band, and then we came and saw them open for Prong at uh, Deep Elm Live, and yeah, I've been been on board ever since. So we, we have similar trajectories. I, I think for a lot of people, uh, Neil will tell you the same thing, too. It seems to be that either you got turned on probably around self-titled, or there's, that, there's those Transnational yeah. people. But, of course, the self-title kind of put them in a different yeah. kind of tax bracket. Which is absolutely my favorite album still is the self-title. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And then, But then there was this whole new thing uh, with, uh, with Blast Tyrant that, right. that a lot of people really turned them on that to them. Was, man, that, those first three songs on that album are just about the strongest openers you can have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know that when that album was sent to me by their booking agent at the time, uh, Nick Storch, um, those guys may or may not still be booking them, uh, Nick and Tim. I guess they aren't together anymore. But uh, anyways, t- Tim Borer, you're right. talking about? Yeah, Tim still is. Yeah, so, yeah. so Nick was his, I don't know, assistant, but he was another agent at right. the same agency. Right. And I, I guess he was the assistant at that time. Now he books Frank Turner and a million other huge artists on his own. But Nick Storch sent me Blast Tyrant. And that was when uh, Matt Tobin and I were running Gypsy Tea Room. And that album, we listened to it nonstop for, I mean, I, to this day, I still listen to it nonstop. I can remember uh, going into Gypsy Tea Room and hearing, hearing that on the, on the PA a few times yeah. Oh, yeah. Ar- around that time. And probably around the same time, but probably a little bit beforehand, uh, in 1993, when the Bomb Factory out here in mm-hmm. Debellum was uh, first opened, uh, I went and saw Sepultura. Yeah. And, and I'd never heard a clutch. Oh, and, wow. You know, and they opened. Yeah. And I, I don't think the record was out yet. I think mm-hmm. that the record had either just come, Transnational we're talking about. Right. Uh, this is in 93. And here's a, a rare show that a lot of people don't don't know when they talk about all the old clutch shows out here. Is that right after that, back when The Edge used to have their... They would have Edge Fest, but they would have these little remote shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like they'd have, they'd have their Christmas show right, or they'd right. have whatever... They had some event at some fucking like country club or something in Addison, and believe it or not, Clutch played that. Oh wow! And I have a video of it. Wow! And uh, it's like 112 degrees. You can see them them going like their shirts going from being dry to being like soaked <laughs> after like six songs. You know, 
so after that, I just hit it off with them, and just especially Neil, and uh, we just became uh, friends uh, from 1995 uh, to 2000. I'm sorry, 94 to 2005. He and I sat down for a yearly chat like an interview whenever i was kind of doing the stuff for the uh different magazines and stuff and uh just stayed in touch so much so that by 2008 they uh had a little side project with some of their the guys uh called never got caught so i ended up managing that band and ended up going on doing a bunch of tours with them and yeah. just you know staying friends and just being uh uh those guys are freaking road warriors man yeah. they still tour like they're in their 20s i know uh they were just here in dallas of course um and uh, were you were you at the show recently? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to get into a lot of that uh, again. The new album is called "Book of Bad Decisions." Yeah. We're going to be playing some new tracks off of that. Uh, we're going to be talking about some old stuff, playing some rare music. Uh, what was your take on the new record when you heard it? Man, I uh, I just I've been so busy. I didn't have much. I don't. I'm not even sure I knew that they had a new album before that show. Um, but that's. I mean. They, they've been pretty prolific with releasing so it's not surprising that I missed some releases until you know, shortly after usually when they're coming through to support it um, every new song that they played I was just like yeah, that's good clutch yeah I mean like you know stuff yeah and no way are you disappointed like I don't know but you know you don't go to your bathroom break on their on their new stuff you know right it's like, yeah there's no bathroom break song that's why I was I was joking yeah. I was like man when do we pee man like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a you know the, the, I remember the first time I went and saw them that they weren't playing some of the, they didn't play some of my favorites Shogun Lee Marcus wasn't in there and you just realize that that catalog has gotten so huge and now I just go with an open mind I'm always going in trusting that I know I'm going to have a good time um, sometimes, uh, you know, there was one that they did uh, at House of Blues somewhat a few years ago, five years, four or five years ago, where they really focused on just like three albums that I hadn't spent much time with. At right, all. right. I yeah. mean, there were no, none of the, I mean, very little of the old stuff. I remember there were like three or four songs in the entire set that were my familiar songs. Sure. And I left that show so happy because I'm like, man, I was watching these kids with kids not not 35 40 year olds 50 year olds that have been with them forever but these kids that, that those are the albums they know and they're yeah. singing every single word yeah. and i was like and, and it blew me away and those were albums that i've now gone back and and spent time with um but yeah as far as the the gas monkey show man i was just you know i, I just i don't know i mean that's you know the, the, that band just does no wrong in my opinion it, their well, set list are strong and, and it's not you can't look up you can't look up what they played last night as any kind of, you know, this is what they're going to do tonight. Right, it's right. All, it's a different show every night, and there's not many bands that do that anymore. National versus Book of Bad Decisions. It's almost a different band. Right. I mean, it's the same four guys, Absolutely. but it's it, but it's a different band. Okay. And so maybe there are certain things that may not fit the context, but if you were at that show, they did play something off of uh, off of Transnational. Oh, they well played they uh, El Jefe Speaks. And I was stoked when that came out. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was texting all my, my buddies who turned me on to him in the first yeah. place. I was texting with those guys while I'm like, dude, they're playing El Jefe tonight. And like, yeah. yeah. You see that back in the set list, but you know, how they do it is, is each member of the band, they, they take turns. Like, like mm -hmm. tonight, we'll, you know, they just rotated each night. Okay. And so, I, I actually started a, a, a Facebook group that was it hasn't been as well received as I'd hoped it would be when I built it, but it was uh, clutch fans who wear clutch shirts <laughs> to clutch shows, and, <laughs> and, and, and and they are they're one of those bands like Maiden or Rush or um, uh, Motorhead that yeah. when you go to the show it's not crazy to see. I, I always hear these people <laughs> try to. <laughs> <come out. laughs> no worries. Dogs. I can always edit. Okay. 
<laughs> but they, uh, you know, they're one of those, you know, you're, you have all these people who are too cool for us that tell us that, you know, you never wear the band shirt to the band show that you're well, going yeah. to see, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't always apply. You know what I mean? <laughs> Clutch is one of those bands. I almost always have some piece of Clutch merchandise on. I didn't this time. I couldn't find the shirt I wanted. Right, right. Um, I, have, I have a work shirt that I got off of the Pure Rock Fury tour that I was looking for and I couldn't find it. But, um, but yeah, you know, that, that, yeah, there is a loyalty and, and uh, you know, surprised where you would find it i have a a very special pair of uh, of tour shorts that i got from uh in 2009 they did a they do a holiday tour every year mm-hmm. between christmas and new year's eve and, and on that one it was the only time they were doing the self-titled uh entirely wow. every night and i have a, a special pair of of, uh, of tour shorts that they gave me and so i was playing basketball uh and not that you know the clutch fans can't be sports fans but i, I was kind of with you know, like some some dudes that were you know very much into probably like Drake and that sort of right. thing, and then some guy came up and was like, "Man, is is that that band Clutch on the back of your shorts?" You know, and and, and suddenly I was invited to play the game. I was uh, <laughs> I didn't have to I didn't have to say I got next. Yeah. I was uh, I was invited to play. So, well, um, as far as the uh, I mean, as far as the band loyalty side of it, I remember when Tim Bohr and I were booking a Clutch show. And he told me that the Bakerton group was going to open because they could never find bands that their fans would <laughs> would appreciate as much as just another version of Clutch. Right. And um, so, you know, while that that was you know that was really cool, I, I am happy to see that they have kind of grown outside of that initial base. And you know, I mean, it's it's something that you know, working in the business that I've worked in, I've always respected the bands that are out there building it night by night instead of relying on some guy in an office in New York or L.A. to tell us that we're supposed to like this person. Right, right. Um, all of my dealings with the band uh, mostly has been Neil. You know, in a you know in a situation where I've booked the show and just hey, thank you. You know, appreciate. Wouldn't call say friends or anything like sure, that. Sure, sure. Never, no reason he would ever remember me, but it was just. I don't know. There was just an openness to them, and uh, they were, uh, you know, I don't know, they were inviting to us to fall in love with them, you know, right, yeah. and uh, made you root for them, and, and I've, yeah, I've always appreciated that they were out there, they were being the road warriors, and out there, you know, earning it every single night, and that's the stuff that's going to give you longevity over, you know, over the course of a... But the Infamil, I man, I'm gonna have to edit the fuck out of this. Uh, we appreciate the people of Infamil uh, for providing their support. Also, uh, to the audio company uh, Presonus. What you're listening to right now, the headphones, uh, the microphone, everything you're hearing right now is through Presonus. We will invite you and encourage you to check out their new audio audio box uh, program. It's uh, it's a great product. It has everything that you need to start right up. Uh, also, and to fuel everything is by Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, can be found in Whole Foods, Central Market, and Sprouts all throughout the Midwest. We want to thank the people, good people at, at Bulletproof Coffee. Uh, also, uh, we have some appearances coming up. Scott, what are what are some good stuff coming up here at Three Links that the good folks should know about? 
Uh, I'm super stoked about tomorrow night. We've got uh, Bob Log the Third, uh, who's for, you know originally in Do Rag and um, kind of the you know, he does the boob scotch thing. It's always a blast. But um, nice. Have a have a really cool lineup with it because Radioactivity, which is some of the Marked Men and Mind Spiders Camp, um, their newer newer project is. Uh, going to be direct support and then the band out of uh oakland which is kind of in the burger records vein called nopes are going to be opening and it's one that just it's weird all three of them are on tour and just so happen to kind of land on the same date so oh nice it's cool when you get a, a show that kind of works that you can mix and match and, yeah and uh yeah so i'm super excited about that one uh we have the toasters coming up in a few weeks which those guys are always a blast i love bucket and uh having him in town is, is always fun and uh, yeah, you know, then we get to uh, the end of the month. We've got the Gorehounds, which is the coolest. My favorite show of the year, man. My favorite yeah. show. They're cra- the, the, yeah, it's their Halloween show. It's a Cramps tribute band with the uh, go-go dancers and props. And it's just, uh, it's a party every year. It's so much fun. It's my favorite shit. And what's funny is that, um, yeah, I mentioned it to my wife, actually my fiance. Uh, our engagement party is that same night. And I'm like, oh. oh wow. <laughs> but I'm hoping so that like we'll wrap by like ten because it'll usually go into like one o'clock anyway, right? Well, so about, yeah, twelve o'clock ish. Okay, you know, when usually when they hit, and, they, and that's weird because they're one of the bands that I still like. They still want to go on at midnight versus like I'm trying. To, I'm like, eh, you don't want to go on at eleven? No, no, we're midnight. So yeah, good. That, okay, that's, that's yeah. good. Good because 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 now I would be the band to be kind of like, listen, nine thirty is my <laughs> is my latest. Uh, there are so many of those bands, and it's so fun. it's like, man, I remember when you guys weren't old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna be awesome. So uh, so tell people where they can find three links. Uh, of course, the, the the famous neighborhood down here in Deep Ellum, right outside of downtown Dallas. Where can they find them on the social? Yeah, there. We're on uh, we're on Instagram, we're on you know, Facebook, uh, you know, three links com has all of the show information and facts. The tour with with, with Seven Dust, they're a band that actually never cancels. Right. Like they never they will never never cancel and they had, a, they had to reschedule three shows because of an illness mm-hmm. uh so i wanted to uh now they're they're back on the road there okay. so i wanted to to wish those guys a, a speedy recovery yeah. uh and and happy that they're back on the road and also congratulations to jp who made the cover of modern drummer magazine oh nice so nice, nice. yeah that um that, that was a great tour that they put together and <laughs> just the nicest guy to me. i can't remember what happened last night yeah and these guys incredibly blown away by that man's vocabulary how he uses it how he puts it all together um you know how he touches on social subject you know subjects that are you know uh or not, i don't know if social subjects is the right right term but just subjects that um you know interesting to me and um you know some of the silliness of all of it and uh the the humor that's in there that sometimes people you know you have it, it, and, and, that, and that's one of the things that i think as a you know as i was growing up it's like angry music doesn't have to be angry i guess sometimes there's that underlying sense of humor that you have to be paying attention to get and uh yeah i've just you know i mean you know every every song is is a different trip kind of it's like you know um yeah I, i'm i'm I would like to see, you know, I know that they have the uh, those studies that they've done where hip-hop artists, they put up, you know, what kind of vocabulary they're using and everything else. And I would love to see, you know, Neil Fallon compared to any hip-hop artist out there. And like what, like the Jizza or something like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, the you know, yeah, just the content is, is always, it's always there. And, and Right, and, yeah. And I've never found something that I, I really disagree with them about. And like you said, it never disappoints. So I think that's why when they come to town, missing them just really isn't an option, is it? No. It's like an event. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know? 
I, you know, there, there was a night a few years ago, I think, uh, Bad Religion. There was a big ska show. I can't remember what it was, but there was a big ska show uh, at Trees that night. Nick Cave was in town. Um, and there was another show going. And, oh, maybe a, was there a Danzig show going? And then Clutch was... I can't remember. Man, it was crazy, though. Yeah. I was at the Clutch show. The band that I've seen absolutely the most. Still haven't seen Nick Cave. I'm not missing, <laughs> I'm not missing a Clutch show unless I'm out of town, period. That's right. That's like, right. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about... Uh, uh, the lyrics, I, the one that sticks with me and it pops into my head all the time in today's day and age is the uh, a caliph rabbi and a bishop walk into a bar. One says to the other, "Hey, brother, now we haven't gotten very far." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, man, people, it's just, yeah, I don't know. That that lyric sticks with me and pops into my head all the time when yeah. I'm looking at some of the ridiculousness of things that we have going on, you know, in the world today. And you know, it, it's that kind of that beacon of truth in a sense. There's that, there's an honesty to it. That uh, the kind of is reflective of also where they come from. I mean, you know, you don't really think of them when you think of like minor threat of Fugazi, but right. you forget that they come from that same yes. par- part of the world and, and very much dialed into that. And speaking of which, they actually they just announced uh, that they're actually going to do they do a holiday tour every single year between like the day after Christmas and through New Year's. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit before, but they have a very exciting one uh, coming up, actually starting in the D.C. Baltimore area on December 27th, um, and the lineup is ridiculous. It's um, It kind of comes full circle for you and I both, Scott. It's got your old friend Mike Dillon, an old Dallas stalwart with his band uh, Billy Goat, his new band, of course, Mike Dillon, uh, featuring my man, Claude Coleman Jr. from Ween, and we mentioned Fugazi. Uh, Brendan Candy has a band called The Mesthetics that are fantastic. Uh, they're going to be part of that little uh, short run as well, so that's going to be a great uh, great tour. Definitely going to want to check that out um, if you're in that area. I think they're going to do New Year's Eve in Cleveland. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, speaking about being locally, is that uh, the debut of the band Royal Sons are making uh, their uh, release party to be one for the ages. It's Friday, October 26th. Uh, it's at the W.E. Scott Theater in Fort Worth. They're going to have aerialists and fortune tellers and fire swallowers and it's going to be nuts. I uh, will be out there uh, as well as making a bunch of other different appearances. Um, uh, fan days, uh, Comic Con, um, just getting back from, of course, New York Comic Con, uh, and the Texas uh, Impact Awards at South Fork Ranch, and many others. Uh, and we'll be right So we'll, we'll be playing some music. We'll be right back uh, with Neil Fallon from Clutch. And uh, check again, check them out on tour all throughout October with Seven Dust. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio. Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Hey everybody, this is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith films Clerks and Vulgar. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, of course, as always, Roy Turner. Uh, joining me uh, again is uh, an old friend of mine, actually, my friend Neil Fallon. He is the lead singer for the band Clutch. Uh, we're here in Dallas, Texas, uh, on uh, in support of their new album, uh, Book of Bad Decisions. Neil, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. 
Uh, you know, Decisions has to be the most clutch-sounding album yet. <laughs> uh, it's good to hear. Um, naming a record is always a hand-wringing exercise for us. It never really comes easy. Um, and I think we were uh, reluctant to name it after one of the songs, because it always puts that song on a mantle. Right, um, right. But after thinking about it, you know, it's not a concept record by any means, but... Uh, having the word book in it kind of implies that each song is its own chapter sure uh, there's no over you know arcing plot to it uh, but that was it and you know recording it was just we just wanted to make as many good songs as we could right and it's been the same for 25 years how we write music right now I remember um, one thing that has changed a little bit I guess would be in terms of I don't know if aesthetic is the right word I can remember a while back you were doing a radio appearance, and you were being—we were being taken to the rock radio station. And then now they have that the little marquee in the hallway where it says, you know, which station is which. And mm-hmm. and there was a blues station, and you—I remember you telling me you were saying, one of these days I want to be going to that station <laughs> to be interviewed. Are are we are we there yet? Um, I'm not real sure. I mean, I'm we have the luxury of hindsight. Yeah. Say I'm very happy with what we have now. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, and I was probably guilty of this too, starting out there's this idea of there's a moment where you've made it. Right. That doesn't really ever happen. Yeah. It's, it's every, everything has, is, is its own lesson. Life is about learning and, you know, trying new things. And there's no final destination where you wake up and you say, oh, okay, now I can relax. That's right. That's called death. <laughs> right. You know, there, there are, you know, feasts and famines when it comes to inspiration, but, um, you got to work at it and uh, if there's anything that defines success for me it's that this is my only gig most musicians I know when they go off tour have to get another job to make ends meet in tours and we're knock on wood not in that position anymore I mean I did that for years yeah. for performing it right yeah, um, count me in yeah I think sometimes you can get lazy because of that I mean I think so if you most people in the creative arts have to relegate it to after hours or on the weekends or what have you and you have to hope that inspiration comes but when you have the luxury of not having that looming over your head you can always keep putting it off yeah. procrastinating and that's not good that's true too you got to work at it yeah and you got to be afraid to write some garbage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well there doesn't seem to be any lack of inspiration on on this new record one thing i think was kind of cool kind of the connection to the blues we were talking about is it one of my favorite things about blues records is there's always seems to be a, a female character or mm-hmm. some sort of female that kind of is inspiring the you know the the blues or the agony or, or whatever it is there's a lot of i've noticed a lot of female characters in a lot of your writing over the last couple of records talk a little bit about that well i think um it's it, it goes back many years uh, probably to adolescence when i was obsessed with heavy metal magazine yeah. and i've always liked the strong female ass kicker uh, character I mean for example you have it in like uh, Cypress Grove or Cyborg Betty right right uh, in this case we have Barbarella yeah um, and it's you know it's I know my lyrics I, I look at them as being completely fictional I mean I'm very fortunate that I've you know I married the best woman in the world so there's not a lot of emotional heartbreak to right. share with people yeah. it would be disingenuous um but uh, I think putting characters, whether real or imagined, into a song, it gives it its own life. Right, sure. Um, 
and I think I didn't do it initially because I didn't want it to come across as being, you know, um, sexist or um, treating women in a kind of, you know, materialistic way. I wanted those characters to be strong and powerful, and um, hopefully that's that's the vibe that's come across.
Okay, well, this is Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio. And you better be tuning in, or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> Believe me, if, if I wrote something stupid, my wife would let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you're obviously very well read. Uh, when you think about creating a female character or drawing from one, what what talk about some of the references that that you that you feel that you've drawn upon for that? Hmm, That's a good question. I, mean, I read a lot of science fiction. Yeah. Um, and Cormac McCarthy is also one of my favorite authors too. Nice, um, nice. Which to me, sometimes he goes, you know, you could easily put his some of his works in the horror section because they're so terrifying. And freaking, yeah, and, totally, yeah. And I think that was kind of the vibe I was going for with the lyrics from the songbook of Bad Decisions because in a lot of his scenarios, something bad has happened, but you're not really clear yeah. what or yeah. why. It's just that you're presented with the aftermath right. or something. And, you know, I, of course, have a male voice, so when... I, s- I don't mention the woman's name, but when I s- it's kind of implied that when she answers the phone um, that I'm speaking to a woman. Um, and I like the mystery of it. You, you don't want to give, give away everything. The listener has to be able to put his or her own spin on it. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, obviously Barbarella's from the movie. I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it's also great, and it's being terrible. Like, a, like a, what is it, Flash Gordon? Yes, yeah, yeah or yeah, there's plenty of them. Uh, but I, I, I've always been a sucker for sci-fi shtick and kitschiness. And Emily Dickinson is probably the opposite of that. And then it has mo- most to, also to do with our time when the band lived in a farmhouse that was built in 1780 that's where we wrote the elephant riders and I always kind of had this vision of driving up to the driveway and seeing a Victorian woman in the attic window I mean I never did you know your mind just starts daydreaming and to me she just even though we were in West Virginia she's from Massachusetts I think she kind of the name recognition of her is instant and she kind of really embodies the, the you know spirit of the age or the zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it of that time i can see the mccormick influence now that you mentioned it because that kind of fill in a little bit i think the the hardest and and at the same time most rewarding thing about writing lyrics is when i listen to the music instrumentally like most people certain images just come to mind and there's no rhyme or reason why right uh when i heard tim's riff for emily dickinson it sounded very pastoral and kind of rural to me i wasn't going to write that was been inappropriate um, and sometimes um, uh, I mean inappropriate for something like Barbarella right uh, and the song Lorelei I think sometimes it's important to let meter and rhyme guide you to where your final destination that song started out I wanted to write a song about a shogun named Marcus and his sunset years okay and I was looking for a rhyme for samurai okay and I stumbled upon Lorelei and I kind of knew what that was but I looked it up and I said oh, wait a minute this character is much more appropriate for the mood of this song Marcus is sort of a humorous character and that's not a humorous song right. um, so I abandoned that idea and then it kind of made instant sense okay um, okay and I, I think that's the fun part about writing lyrics is when you end up with something on the page you had no intention of 
you know, visual artist kind of talking about canvases or stone uh, in a similar way where it's already in there. It's your, your job to discover it. Uh, potential sequels to some of the characters and some of the stories. We, I mean, I know there's a, I know there's a Big News 3 out there. I've, I've yeah. heard it. Yeah, that was a weird one. It was, you know, it was, it was basically a demo. Yeah. You know, and it didn't, it kind of died on the vine. The Barbarella, I, I see that as the third part to... Um, I've always considered X-ray visions and Firebirds as part one and two. Okay. And now this character who's years on relating th- this episode to his son. Okay. Uh, who's now probably you know getting into adolescence and he needs to give fatherly advice that if you're going to pick up hitchhikers, you know, actually don't. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Your own experiences now as being a father. You know, yeah, I think I was foolish for many years thinking that once I became a parent, my creative life would come screeching to a halt. Yeah, until I felt too. Because yeah. it's like, it's a, it's a kind of a myth that, that like, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. You know, you're going to get fat, you're going to lose your hair, you're going to sit in front, but nothing about that came to be. And I think the... The job of having to explain the world to someone who knows nothing is the most intellectually engaging thing you can imagine because we all take stuff for granted. Right, that's right. Um, and now having to constantly answer questions uh, as best you can uh, is good is a good exercise for the brain. Sometimes you have to lie, but you know, <laughs> that's part of the fun too. For sure, uh, I, I love what you'd mentioned about you know about uh, maybe some sequels and stuff and bringing some stuff back. I did notice this. Uh, this will kind of fit all of that. You mentioned about being in the house where Elephant Riders was recorded. You mentioned Lorelai. Uh, you mentioned about again bringing back different characters. I couldn't help but notice on the record there seems to be some callback. Some of those things. Number one that I, I wrote down was um, you guys used to play a song called "Hot Off the Grill." It was a live yeah. song that never became, or at least at least that I know of, didn't become recorded. Ghoul Wrangler, you say "Hot Off the Grill" in it. Is that yeah. is that the same song? Did it that never was what it became? Occurred to me until just now. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. But you know what? Those those things do happen subconsciously. Too. For sure. Yeah. Um, I've always been wary of nostalgia. I always thought nostalgia kind of smacked of giving up. Um, and not looking forward to That's the right. future, but you know there comes a point where we're doing this for twenty five years. There's tons of stories yeah. that are just still sitting on the on the shelf here. Um, yeah, and going back to Lorelei, that you know there's an ele- a reference to the elephant riders. That's right, um, and that's probably a, a, an artifact of when I was. Um, yeah, there was another song idea that I had where it was. Okay, let's say the Civil War's over, and this elephant, who was you know this heroic war beast, now has to get whipped at, into a cage. Its only gig is with a Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. You know, very. And, and I, I started thinking, wow, <laughs> that's really the bummer. Um, so I, I, I abandoned that idea, but I think that artifact kind of stuck around. For sure, I think it's. I, I see what you're saying. It's kind of a bummer, but still kind of a cool idea. To, it, yeah, it's it's something that would probably be better in a book yeah. than in a song. You know, uh, you can only take so many bum outs. You know, it's funny. We had, um, you know, the filmmaker Richard Linklater. You probably no, seen some of his stuff. You probably, probably saw. Have, but I'm terrible with names of directors. You, he did Days and Confused. Uh, okay, okay. I've seen that. Uh, did you see Boyhood? It was something he kind of did this kind of neat project. No, I, I, but I've I've heard about. it. I don't know what it is. Though. It's pretty cool. I'll I'll. Uh, it's something that he shot over 12 years with the same actors. So when you're watching, it's like watching like time lapse oh, wow. release stuff. 
Well, we had his daughter on the show, and her name is Lorelai. Oh, wow. And so I had to pick a song of the week. I was like, well... This works. How does she up, like it? This works out well. Uh, she, I think she liked it because it had her name in it. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. How's that? Uh, so I said around that time because I'm, I'm glad you have a healthy attitude about that too. Because about because you have a new album. This is all about moving forward. It's, it's not a nostalgic trip like you said, but it, like you said, it is sometimes to, to kind of look back on a few different things. And uh, the first single called "Give Me the Keys" mm-hmm. recalls back to a. Uh, a, a fun or maybe not so fun memory. Uh, yeah. What what made you draw upon that now? Well, I think I, I, I've always had it in my head that that would be a good subject to write about. Yeah. And I was just waiting for the song to say, "Oh, this is a good spot for it." Okay. Um, and you know, it's the, the, I took plenty of poetic license with it, but it's good to have memories of your terrible first tour to appreciate the one. You're for on sure, I remember about. mine for sure. And, um, <laughs> That was, you know, I swore until I was blue in the face I would never set foot in the state of Kansas again. We've been back hundreds of times. Right. It's great. We have awesome shows in Wichita and Lawrence. And to our fans in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it's, um, these things happen out on the road, but much more frequently when you're in a van because you're, you're interacting with the world much more and, you know, not, there was no cell phones back then. Yeah. You're looking at maps and pulling over at truck stops to make phone calls. And nowadays, it's much easier to be insulated. And I do miss that aspect of it, but I also like being able to sleep. How'd you guys meet Mike and start working with him? He's a great dude. Yeah, Mike's awesome. Yeah. He's a beast. Um, he's one of the hardest working musicians I've ever encountered. Totally. I mean, he does multi. He's probably doing a gig right now in New Orleans. And then getting on a plane to play with Galactic in Colorado. Right. Home. That's how he, how he does. But if memory serves, I think what happened is uh, John Paul and someone else, maybe Dan and one of our crew guys years ago, went to the Maple Leaf just to see what was going on. Okay. And Mike was in there doing his thing. He had a, there was no one in the Maple Leaf. It was empty. And he was using an empty water bottle and crushing it into the microphone as a percussion piece. <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. And I guess they spoke after the after the gig, and um, it, and I think that's how it started. Really, yeah. just going to a show, and uh, he's uh, we've toured with his band. He's played on our record. You know, he did the vibes on Lorelei and lots of percussion. And, uh, and I think the last time I saw you guys, I think he came up uh, on the Primus tour, didn't he? Got up and did a couple of songs. Yeah, it's quite possible. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he shows up in very unexpected places. You know, <laughs> yeah, you don't find him, he finds you, yeah, right? Yeah. Much. When did you start to take, start to become aware um, of almost that brand loyalty in a sense? Um, it took a while, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, there was many years which I was thinking, well, we'll probably do this for another year. And I... Because the, the 90s, you know, there was a lot of money being thrown around. We got a lot of tour support. Yeah. But we weren't selling many records. And when you get to a point and the idea of family comes in and you got to ask yourself, am I going to be able to support a family doing this? That's right. Um, and we decided to just to, to go all in and, you know, get back in the van after being in tour buses for years. And we basically started over in the year 2000. Okay. Um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, okay. And, um, so there were seven years behind us at that point and I think it was then I started realizing it and particularly when we launched our own record label and the idea is not a record label that's going to sign tons of bands it's just a way to deliver it to to people and the internet was a a BFD for us because 
people were suddenly able to hear the band for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And people, our shows got much bigger. Yeah, and it was that was sort of like part two of this band's career. You know, it's like I think when we did self-title, it kind of set us off on a trajectory for sure. And th things got you know a little bit you know. And I said earlier, I said feast or famine. That was the famine part. Right, you know, right. They were on ninety nine, two thousand. And then it, that record put a lot of sa a wind in our sails again. So the, their introduction actually was Blast Tyrant. Mm -hmm. so, so it sounds like a, a band free. It feels like freedom. Yeah. It, it sounds like freedom. It's Music is, you know, about self-discovery sometimes. And yeah. I think one of the advantages we've had is, as a band, we never said, we want to be like this, this, and that. Right. And not this, this, or that. We just kind of just throw stuff over the fence to see where it lands. Um, and... Um, you know, when we went to court with DRT, um, it got th that master back along with two others. We we're like, why? Why would we do this again with another record label? Let's just put it out there, and that that was a game changer for us. Finally, accepted the the idea that like, this is what I do. This is what I will be remembered for, and the same can be said for Tim, Dan, and John Paul. It was pretty liberating yeah. instead of being afraid of when is this going to become crashing to a halt. Um, you know, there's years where I took it for granted. Yeah. You know, because graduated from college and five days later I was on a European tour and hadn't stopped since and I assumed that was normal and I realized it's not it's very rare to be able to do this for a living and the older I get the more protective I am of it and uh, the, the more rewarding it is yeah and it's um to be able to do something creative is is wonderful. It's a gift, I right? Would, I would be a miserable, miserable man if I didn't have this outlet.
Hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. And I'm still figuring out how to sing. I took my first vocal lesson like six months ago. Really? Yeah, and I think that's it's more of a bid so I can do this every night. Well, for yeah, sure. I'm not trying to change much, but... You know, the first years, you know, I, I was coming from a hardcore, you know, background where the idea of pitch and melody was commercial. Yeah, You're right, not supposed right. to do that. Yeah. And then when I realized that you can burn out on that real quick, man, and it's much more, ta- once you start trying to hit pitch and, you know, have melodies, it's much more taxing on the throat. And um, I, I think it's probably, I listen to a lot of blues and R&B, so that's, probably what I'm defaulting to it's not really by choice it's kind of those are the those are the patterns that were put into my brain early on right right but you also got to take care of it like you said you got to you got to protect it so maybe vocal lessons can will extend the I have to do these really goofy warm-ups every day yeah and find some place where people can't hear me (laughs) make fun of you it'll be a viral (laughs) especially with this 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 gang of uh, ball busters for sure yeah so (laughs) Um, you know, because I want the I want the last show of a tour to be just as good as the first. One of the coolest things about the pit, Vinny was a great guy, yeah. just affable. You know, just right. it's just a, a walking party. Yeah, you know, at yeah. all times. You know, just very happy to be there. Um, t- total pro. Yeah. Um, sometimes you don't get that combination. You know, sometimes you get, the guy's a great player but a complete jerk. Honestly, one of my fondest memories about the Pantera tours they they had a catering bus and they had every day on the bays where most bands would put their luggage they had two giant smokers and their chef would do you know slow cooked brisket you know every day and just it, they let us have it you know it was very generous and that's it was great and uh that was on the southern trend kill tour I believe. yeah 97 98 yeah, yeah i believe yeah and that was a great tour for us and it's um my memory is very hazy, to be quite <laughs> honest. I memories of like someone's, you know, occasional lapse of judgment that linger the most because it's so anomalous, or it's much more exciting to talk about somebody who did something mean yeah, or, or was a complete wreck. But it's the stories of people just doing everyday stuff, like how they greet someone who when they walk into a room, right? Do they acknowledge? Do they even acknowledge the other people? Those, that counts for the most. Totally. But it doesn't make for a good story. Yeah. So uh, you have to kind of have something kind of sensationalistic. Or, yeah. yeah. So I could say, you know, every time he walked into a room, it was like, you know, he, he was happy to be there. Yeah. And that, that counts for a lot. Is there anything going on with that at all? Is there any other side projects that's happening? I know obviously you're busy with this tour cycle, but yeah, well, not for me because um, I know the foreseeable future is is this, right, right. And what downtime I have, <laughs> I want to spend at home, right, right. Not do, you know, and plus, side projects are usually problematic because everyone's geographically scattered, right, right. Um, 
and to get me to drive more than 20 miles when I'm not on tour is a tough, tough act call. So, um, well, that's what I told you in New York when you guys played that show. I was like, what are you doing here? Go home. Like, you're always on the road, man. And, you know, that was at a time where I, you know, was a brand new parent. Um, now that, you know, I'm even deeper into it. It's, yeah. It's, it, it drives my wife nuts because when I get home, she wants to go out. And I was like, no, let's stay. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's plenty of clutch things for me to do. Right, right, right. I think I kind of I kind of figured that, but I want I wanted to ask if there was anything else there. Uh, okay, so in the last thing here, and this is from a from a humorous standpoint. Uh, Book of bad decisions. Is there anything you want to share? Again, not a blues jam, but like it, what what is something is a bad decision that you have made or that the band has made that you can laugh about now? Huh. Well, I can say going back to that Pantera tour. <laughs> um, we kind of had like a early on this kind of defect we were very insular and when you get in front of a Pantera crowd often you're looking at a sea of middle fingers you know (laughs) it wasn't easy but you have to do that Um, that's part of the growing up as a band and I remember our reaction to that was like okay we're not going to try to get you to like our band so we're going to get you to really hate us and we sometimes we would sit on one riff Melvin style yeah for Melvin style and that's who we were trying to emulate right right um, we would sit on that riff for 20 minutes and then we would we walk walk off stage wondering well how come they booed us well obviously because we were being jerks right you know but antagonistic was, yeah that was our you know and of course it's easy to be antagonistic when you got a barricade between right, you right. I certainly probably wouldn't have done that on the dance floor right right, right. But, um, or with your orange peel right yeah. <laughs> so but you grow up and you learn that's you right you know in an in fact, if we could go back, we certainly wouldn't do it. But <clears throat> if you're given the opportunity to open up for a huge band, do your damn best. That's right. You That's right. Be a jerk about it. That's right. But live and learn. Well, after uh, again, my man Neil, uh, brother, 25 years, That's man. Hard to believe. I know, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. Sure, no problem.
Sunny Suicide and you're listening hey guys, to Turkey Sunny Kids Suicide Radio and you're listening Roy to Turner. Turkey Thank Kids you so Radio much for listening. With Roy Turner. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I was just kind of imagine, you know, enjoying it for what it was, man. I, I, right. Every time I go to see them, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, I really do just try to embrace the moment and stay, you know, it's one, like I said, it's one where I'm not, you know, not taking bathroom breaks and I might hit the merch merch stand while everybody else is paying attention at the stage. I may, there may be, you know, I might hit the merch stand at that point, but right. Yeah, I try to. Uh, I don't know, you know. I guess I didn't didn't go that deep with it. Right, I'm. A, I, I tend to be a to, to be a bit of a nerd about that, but uh, but hey, that's, that's that's good too, right? So, uh, I just uh, you know, and you mentioned it was what's funny is that there's a, there's a lot of things that a lot of people haven't heard, and I was wanting to know if it, talking about being being nerdy is it this ad isn't anywhere where you could hear it, but he actually has, or at least he has the idea of a sketch of a sequel to a show named Marcus, mm-hmm. where the lyrics. Are Marcus in what he calls his formative years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that sees the light of day. Like yeah. I said, I I know he's had give me the keys in his back pocket for a long, long time, and he just finally found the right riff to tell that story. Uh-huh. Um, there was something you may have heard. I think it circulated on the internet for a little while, but there was a big news three. I don't know if you ever heard of that. If if not, I'm going to play it on here. Yeah, okay. and you'll be able to hear it. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a kind of it's kind of a demo, and I'm gonna have a I have a live version of like I said the, the, the hot off the grill I'm gonna play as well after you hear it. So the episode will have songs that you've heard, songs you haven't heard, and nice. you know be something that you'll be able to enjoy. But uh, pay close attention to the lyrics on Big News Three when you hear it on here because yeah. the the lyrics are bananas. I mean even even for him they're bananas. Right. So speaking of lyrical content. The band has to be known for that just as much. You know, Neil is this very friendly, but yet very firm, focused, uh, you know, uh, guy on stage who's just strutting and pointing fingers and, yeah. and kind of got that whole thing going. And to know it is to know how well read and how inspired the lyrics are. Talk to me about some of the lyrics that, that you are most memorable for you or kind of spoke to you the most. Oh, tastes just like chicken, they say. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I you know, um, I am always incredibly blown away by that man's vocabulary, how he uses it, how he puts it all together, um, you know, how he touches on social subject, you know, subjects that are, you know, uh, or not, I don't know if social subjects is the right right term, but just subjects that, um, you know, are interesting to me and, um, you know, some of the silliness of all of it and uh, the, the humor that's in there that sometimes people, you know, you have, it, it, and, and, and that's one of the things that I think as a, you know, as I was growing up, it's like angry music doesn't have to be angry, I guess. Sometimes there's that underlying sense of humor that you have to be paying attention to get. And uh, yeah, I've just, you know, I mean, you know, every every song is, is a different trip kind of. It's like, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, I would like to see, you know, I know that they have the uh, those studies that they've done where hip-hop artists, they put up, you know, what kind of vocabulary they're using and everything else. And I would love to see, you know, Neil Fallon compared to any hip-hop artist out there. And like what, like the Jizza or something like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you know, yeah, just the content is, is always, it's always there. And, and Right, and, yeah. And I've never found something that I, I really disagree with him about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. <laughs> You know, it, it's funny because he uh, he always tells me he says uh, his his wife is really really cool and and he always says he goes trust me he goes if I wrote something stupid my wife would let me know <laughs> and we were talking and I, and I wondered I, I almost I, I should I 
later I thought, you know, I should have said, well, has she heard El Jefe? Like, because yeah. <laughs> that was before, yeah. right? You know, uh, but no, she's awesome. And um, and again, like I said, the lyrics are just always. I I, I personally, since, since I know him, I, I know a lot of the inspirations without giving any spoilers. But a few things, of course, is is, uh, is Scott McCormick. Um, I know you know how Scott McCormick kind of just kind of puts it out there and kind of lets you kind of dis- mm-hmm. decide what it is. Um, obviously, um, and of course, like Philip K. Dick, a lot of cool science fiction stuff. But you know, it's like the aesthetic of it. But when you have a good wordsmith, he's able to kind of like create that aesthetic yes. just with his words. Yeah, you know, almost so much so I think that he also, you know, admittedly he will tell you that he'll put it in there just to see if he can. Like, uh, there's a song off of uh, Robot Hive about uh, the. Something about the, the the poisonous basilisk or some shit like yeah. where he's like uh, um, just craziness, but it works though. It's not it, it it never runs together, and like you said, it never disappoints. So I think that's why when they come to town, missing them just really isn't an option, is it? No. It's like an event. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I you know there there was a night a few years ago. I think uh, Bad Religion. There was a big ska show. I can't remember what it was, but there was a big ska show uh, at Trees that night. Nick Cave was in town. Um, and there was another show going. And, oh, maybe a, was there a Danzig show going? And then Clutch was... I can't remember. Man, it was crazy, though. Yeah. I was at the Clutch show. The band that I've seen absolutely the most. Still haven't seen Nick Cave. I'm not, <laughs> missing, I'm not missing a Clutch show unless I'm out of town, period. That's right. That's like, right. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about... Uh, uh, the lyrics, I, the one that sticks with me and it pops into my head all the time in today's day and age is the, uh, a Calaf rabbi and a bishop walk into a bar. One says to the other, hey, brother, now we haven't gotten very far. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, man, people, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know. That, that lyric sticks with me and pops into my head all the time when yeah. I'm looking at some of the ridiculousness of things that we have going on. You know, In the world today, and you know, there. it's that kind of that beacon of truth in a sense. There's that, there's an honesty to it. That uh, the kind of is reflection of also where they come from. I mean, you know, you don't really think of them when you think of like minor threat of Fugazi, but right. you forget that they come from that same yes. par- part of the world and, and very much dialed into that. Uh, and they were going, you know, they used to cover bad brains as eye against eye. If you remember the old shows, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that same kind of Ian Mackay, you know, we're, we're actually on our way to see Henry Rollins tonight. They had to have that same. You trust them. And in a world where there's not a whole lot you can you can do that with, you know, Lemmy's gone and yeah. and uh, a few others. It's great to know that they're still out there and still kicking ass. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, I thank you so much for joining us this week, yeah. man. Great to do it here. Great to see you. Thank you, Roy. Uh, of course, man. Once again, tell everybody where they can find uh, uh, Three Links. Yeah, Three Links uh, Search Three Links uh, for you know Facebook, social media, all that stuff. Where uh, my my wife handles most of the Instagram uh, and most of the Facebook, I guess. Good deal. Uh, Come on down, down for the Halloween. October 27th? Yeah, 27th, yep. If you haven't been invited to my, my engagement party, uh, uh, I'll see you at uh, <laughs> I'll see you one way or the other that night. So, uh, again, Scott, thanks so much for doing this. Yep, good luck getting married, and uh, good luck with the marriage. And, yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Yep.